Hello and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your daisy of a host, Gary, here to entertain and inform you about the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. I am joined by my rosebud of a wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Good morning, Goldie Ann. Morning, how are you? I am fine. I'm being a bit flowery today, just to fit in with the theme of the show. That's a little... And it's going to get far, far stranger before this show is over. I'm just picturing you flowering and pollen going everywhere. Oh, well then that would be bad for my allergies. Yeah, very. Okay. Well, I was going through our episodes on the different platforms that we have. Uh, Everything from Spotify to Apple to uh, Goodreads. And I wanted to thank a few people who have given a review and some stars to our podcast. These not only help the show, but get some visibility on the podcast providers. So it's really nice to know that people like what we do. The Within the Mist podcast made the Good Pods Top 100 Leisure category. We are now ranked number 35 by our listeners there who listen to categories of leisure podcasts. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's pretty cool. In fact, Bryant Perkins gave our Champ episode five stars and wrote that this was his favorite cryptid. So I kind of agree with Bryant. Uh, Champ is kind of neat, uh, the American Loch Ness monster. Yeah. So I appreciate him giving us some stars and letting us know that Champ is his favorite. Melonheads also received a five-star review from Gabriel Envers, who stated that it was, quote, creepy and she loved the jason tie-in uh i did it specifically for you but it's good to know that other people liked it as well (laughs) even our youtube channel is picking up likes and new subscribers every day uh including in that is james who wrote that jabba fofi which is a giant spider uh that i did a two to three minute video about was quote great video and very interesting Giant spiders are definitely terrifying. Now, a Marilyn made a comment regarding our Altamaha video, and she stated that, quote, we live in southeastern North Carolina. If you go any further south, you're in South Carolina. If you go any further east, you're in the Atlantic Ocean. My father and both my brothers saw one of these creatures at separate times, which I think is really cool. That's very cool. She continues to write, saying, My father saw the creature when he was a young man in the 1960s. Each of my brothers at separate times saw the creature in the late 1970s. They all saw a creature in the same small pond in a wooden area off the creeks of the head of the Calabash River. Cool. I know. This, this is the thing that I like best about our podcast is when people share their experiences that might connect to... Some of the stories that we write about. In fact, she wrote even more, but I wanted to stop here because this brings up something I really wanted to discuss before we start our episode. Listener stories. Every time we have met with people, either at conventions, through social media, or even just bumping into them on the streets, we've always heard some amazing encounters that they've had. I think Everyone is somewhere in their family has a ghost story or a creature encounter that has been passed on, you know, through the family and friends that they want to share. 
and we want to start collecting these stories. I want to prevent them from being lost. So, we want to make a very strong effort to gather your stories. If you have a ghost story, or an encounter with something in the woods, or perhaps found something in the night sky, please contact us through our social media or email. We can either read your written account, or we can record you telling your story to start adding into our Thursday interview episodes. This is a good chance for you to share something that has been amazing in your experiences. I think that'd be great. I know. This is something that Goldie Ann and I really want to start doing. So please reach out to us. Share your story so others who have had a similar event will know that they're not alone. And perhaps we can build a community that supports the ideas of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. So, Goldie Ann... With that in mind, do you know why flowers can't become opera singers? Um, no. Well, it's because they sing out of petunia. Oh, Lord. Also, to help me out with Goldie Ann, if you have a dad joke to share, send those as well. Please Goldie don't. Goldie loves them so much. Just, just ignore that part. Never. Don't encourage it. Anyways, today's episode involves the story of a child who encounters alien creatures that seem to have plans for destruction. These may be upsetting to some of our listeners. I know our listeners. It might be pretty exciting. It is kind of an exciting and interesting story because we are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. There is very little written about our story today, but I would like to say thanks to the book UFOs and Alien Contact, Two Centuries of Mystery, written by Robert E. Bartholomew and George S. Howard, for at least the interesting article they included. Other people have collected different parts of this story that I put together, including Rob Morphy of Cryptonaut Podcast and the authors at Mysterious Universe for their articles. Putting all this together created a very interesting story that I'd like to share with you today. In 1974, a 55-year-old beauty salon operator named Evelyn Went of Dade City, Florida, contacted the local West Palm Beach paper called The Weekday. She asked if someone could come over and interview her. She claimed that she had an extraordinary story to share with the world, and now was the right time to unveil it. Before that interview was over, the story included an alien spaceship piloted by the strangest looking of space creatures before reported. These aliens had a purpose in mind bent upon the destruction that may or may not have been in the best interests of our planet at heart. Regardless, 
This woman's tale describes an encounter so strangely wonderful that it deserves to be told. So, let's take a walk within the mist and discover the Dade City flowers. Just, I just can't see flowers being scary. And I know, uh, to be honest, when I first read this story, it kind of made me think of the old Disney Silly Symphony cartoon. You know, this kind of thing where oh, right. the flowers are all wibbly wobbly and singing and dancing. That's hilarious. Yeah. Now so, I'm going to have that in my mind. This is kind of exactly how I had it in mind. In fact, I'm going to share this cartoon off of YouTube just so you can see what we were thinking of when uh, uh, I'm telling this story. Just because it, it makes it so much more comical and strange. <laughs> but getting back to our story... Chapter 1, A Child at Play Dade City is a town in and is the county seat of Pasco County, Florida, in the United States. It is in the Tampa Bay area with a population of only 6,400 people. Yes, this... Didn't know it was that small. The town part is. It's popular with tourists because it has the antique stores, restaurants, and historic architecture, which includes the Pasco County Courthouse, the Hugh Embry Library, and the Edwinola. So this is kind of what you would think of classic uh, small-town southern lifestyle. In fact, it is so quaint that they have an annual kumquat festival hosted downtown where the surrounding area produces the tart kumquat, which is a citrus fruit that you eat whole as a commodity crop. So this kind of gives you the uh, feel of a small town Mayberry type uh, environment. Interestingly, Goldian, it is only an hour drive away from us here. So we might want to take a day trip if you're up for it. I if think we actually drove through it. When we went down to see Dave Sheely at the Skunk Ape headquarters. And we have passed by it a couple of different trips. I mean, if we don't go for the kumquats, then perhaps to see the location of today's story. Our story starts in 1924. While playing at the Holy Name Convent School playground, although most of the time this is also known as the St. Joseph School, a young Evelyn went aged about nine years old, was suddenly blinded by a bright light. She never reported whether it was a school day or if it was at recess or if it was after school. It could have been a weekend or a holiday or a summer break. The only thing that we do know is that this child was alone in the playground at the time. The sun was up in the sky but the blinding light came from a different direction, the ground. The light was so incredibly bright that Evelyn later said that she thought she had passed out from the intensity. Even with her eyes closed, all she could see was the bright white light. When it eventually dimmed, the girl was able to see, and what she saw was a strange egg-shaped object sitting in the field in the middle of the grass. As Evelyn looked at the spaceship, she saw a hatch open up underneath it. According to the elderly Evelyn who retold this story 50 years later, 
She was quoted as saying, Little people emerged. I think they were robots. I tried to count them, but they changed about so. They were smaller than I was and resembled animated flowers with faces where the bud would be. So out comes this parade or chaos of dancing, walking flowers that she said were smaller than she was as a nine-year-old, but they had faces where the bud would be. Oh, kind of like the YouTube video you're going to show. <laughs> yes, just like the cartoon. It was never clear on what type of flowers the robots were meant to disguise themselves as. Most commonly, people picture them as the daisies with, you know, petals surrounding a computer monitor screen that has an animated human-like face. Perhaps flowers were the dominant life forms on their homeworld, or could it be that these were designed to resemble the local foliage to escape detection? Perhaps these robot flowers were supposed to be camouflage, and Evelyn, the nine-year-old child, wasn't supposed to notice the hundreds of flowers coming out of an egg-shaped spaceship. Yeah, that's... I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, I think there's a flaw in that plan. However way you want to describe them, they were metallic alien flower people. Please remember that the eyewitness to this encounter was a nine-year-old child, so the descriptions are based on what she understood. They looked like flowers, and she was a child, so that's how she described them. She wasn't afraid of them as they came walking around. Again, just like you and I looking at the cartoon, I think she kind of treated them as dancing, frolicking type of creatures in the playground for her to play with. Definitely nothing looked scary. Definitely not. And a nine-year-old child wasn't scared of flowers. A strange thing to also note is that there was possibly a man that was with them, but she couldn't remember that part very well. So there might have been a person, humanoid, there as well. Maybe he was the person who controlled the robots, but for some reason her memory on him is very foggy. Interesting. Which makes it, what's another interesting part is that Evelyn stated that the aliens were carrying a large object between a group of them. Some sort of large device, bulky and big, and they seemed to be having trouble moving it. Since the nine-year-old child was larger than the small people and she felt like she wanted to help, she moved towards them unafraid. Being kind-hearted, she asked if she could carry the device. They did not stop her, and as she gripped the item and tried to lift it, she found that it was far too heavy for her. This attempt presumably alerted the aliens that they had landed near some humans. So this was the first time that they even took notice of the small child. The flower aliens apparently didn't mind that Evelyn couldn't lift the device, and they allowed her to follow them as they finished carrying it out of the UFO. Then, they decided to converse with the sweet child, but they didn't do it with words. Their animated computer faces talked to the child telepathically. So now we have robot flowers that are able to use mind powers to talk to people. Interesting. Chapter 2, The Flower Plot. Oh dear God. Dad joke? I kind of slipped it in there. 
The robot flowers told her that they were going to, quote, stop the work being done in the science building. If the work continued, they would destroy the place. But she couldn't really seem to remember what kind of work was supposed to be going on there. Supposedly, these experiments were dangerous, and they were going to put a stop to it. They would even destroy the school building if it was required. So I know a lot of kids, you know, always cheer and hope that the school burns down or gets destroyed so they don't have to go to the classes. <laughs> Here we have a bunch of flower aliens that are going to do the job for her. Nice. But what it's weird is, is that what could be going on in a 1920s school building that brings alien flowers coming to destroy it? What was going on inside that science building that irked the flower aliens so much? Was the building a cover from some clandestine government weapons lab? Was it an underground refuge for rival aliens? Or was it hiding something even more nefarious? Talking about a grade school science lab? Yeah. In the 1920s. Yeah. I mean, this is even before work was being done on the atomic bomb and such. So oh, That's totally legit. <laughs> so, yeah, we have uh, some government... Uh, nuns doing evil laboratory experiments in a child's school. Oh, yeah, I forgot it was St. Joseph's. Uh -huh. So, yeah, that makes the story even stranger is that you have alien flowers versus nuns. <laughs> That's kind of where we're at. This is kind of awesome. Maybe it was a chemistry teacher who was dabbling with a formula and was about to invent an extraterrestrial herbicide that could be sprayed into space and wipe out plants on another planet. Also legit. The possibilities are absolutely endless, and they get more bizarre as you think about them. Now, the Holy Name Convent School was a Catholic girls' one-room elementary school that was established by Benedictine nuns. One room? So where's the science room? Well, a second room was added in 1924, but it was never described as a science building. If this was the same school, then why are nuns running a science department at a school? Because, I mean, in the 1920s especially, science and religion kind of didn't see eye to eye. Sounds very suspicious that nuns would be running a science department, especially at an elementary school level. Maybe the nuns were aliens. That's one theory. Oh, look at, the, look at me go. I know. You're going to turn into a conspiracy theorist before my eyes. Now, debate on what secret experimentation was operating within the walls of a Catholic school has gone on for years since the story came out. And just like you, so many possibilities and so many strange uh, versions of what's going on. The aliens also asked Evelyn to assist them in their plans to wipe out the building. The little girl said that she would never destroy it most likely because she was either too young or knew that destroying a school was illegal. This confused the aliens. They didn't seem to understand why she would not want to destroy such an evil place. To them, they did not realize that she was an innocent child and whatever was going on, she had no knowledge of it. The aliens placed the weapon on the ground and began setting it up. Imagine a miniature laser being built on a field pointing it at the school science building. 
and they were communicating with Evelyn telepathically the entire time as they prepared to aim and fire and destroy the school building. Here's another weird twist in our story, Goldian. After they set the weapon up, the flower aliens seemed to have a change of heart and then suddenly dismantled their weapon after they completely assembled it and towed it back into their ship. Alrighty. They never gave a reason why, and they were quiet about it the entire time. The flowers evidently decided that this was not the right time to destroy the science facility. Chapter 3, An Act of Goodwill Eventually, the robots went back to their egg ship, but not before they offered the nine-year-old Evelyn the chance to come with them and fly into the stars. Um, go with me. Kind of. Now, she was intrigued by the prospect of seeing the insides of this extraterrestrial spaceship. She did decline, and they boarded the ship with a weapon and without the child. According to Evelyn, they promised to come back for me in 35 years, but that was a long time ago, and nothing happened that I know of. All I can remember now is that the saucer was leaden-looking and very pockmarked. So if this happened in 1924, 35 years later would have been uh, 24, uh, 54, 59. So in 1959, they were supposed to come back and come back for Evelyn, but I guess that never happened. What's interesting is, is that she remembers after 50 years of this happening, the details of the spaceship, that it was gray and looked lead and it had a bunch of dents and pockmarks in it, like it had been in a battle or maybe it was hit by meteorites. So she does remember a lot of details about these aliens, but who knows why they didn't come back after 35 years. So she doesn't remember the man. She doesn't really remember man. She just remembers seeing him at first, and then he disappears. It's, it's never even reported if he goes back in the ship or if he talks to Evelyn. It's like he appears and then disappears. Now, when the spaceship started up, its molecules expanded. So I guess it started out as a small thing and then kind of like grew and grew and grew, and it turned a silvery bright. The UFO then went straight up into the air, hovered above Evelyn for about a minute, and then disappeared from sight. At some point, the science building was indeed left in shambles. So something did happen and caused the science building to be destroyed. But Evelyn never again saw the flower robots. So who or what destroyed the old school building? Maybe she just wasn't there when they came. That's what I'm wondering, as if maybe they waited until the child left, not wanting to traumatize her or get her involved in their space war, and they came back later and they destroyed the building. Or, as most commonly as the public opinion is, is that the school was killed, destroyed by a hurricane years later. There we go. Legit. I like, I like the version of the aliens coming back, though. Of course you do. Many do believe that it was a Florida hurricane, but it is possible that whatever experiments were going on by these nuns behind closed doors prompted the Dade City Flowers to return and complete their plan to destroy the building. 
whatever evidence of nefarious experiments that were going on at this secret espionage school was destroyed with the building. That's awesome. Chapter 4, An Old Woman's Tale Evelyn opened up about this incident in 1974, 50 years after it originally happened. She had grown up to be an operator of a beauty parlor, and she had decided that now was the time to break the silence. Therefore, she contacted a reporter from the West Palm Beach newspaper known as The Weekday. She needed the money. She really didn't get paid for it. I know. She was hoping. Maybe, TV maybe deal, not. you know. Well, the article was published soon after and ignited a fervor about the incident and possibility of the existence of these robotic flowers. She claimed that she told very few people of what she had encountered and decided to make the story public now in 1974 because people were much more open to the idea of aliens and extraterrestrials. During the 1920s, this wasn't quite the big deal during the time, and who would have listened to a nine-year-old anyways? By the 1970s, this encounter would instantly cause a stir in the UFO community, and people flocked to Dade City to interview her. Researchers such as Stephen Putnam tried to even put the old lady under hypnosis, hoping this might help her to recall more details about the encounter. But, Every attempt to hypnotize her failed. So flowers were stopping it. That's what I'm wondering. They did talk to her telepathically, so maybe they put a block in to cause her to forget certain parts of their conversation, and they put in something that would prevent her from opening up even under hypnosis. So that whole telepathy thing may have had more purpose than initially thought of. So what do you think of the story of the Dade City Flowers? Legit. And that's pretty much it? Yes. No, I, you, I don't really... I, I'm, not, I'm not there with you. What do you mean you're not there with me? I don't even know where I am. I just think it's an incredibly cute story. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Now me with, you know, aliens. You know how I feel about aliens. I know. You pretty much are... Firm believer in no aliens. Yeah. But like you said, it's a cute little story. I just find it weird that she would come back as an old lady and rehash it. Like I said, probably just to make some money. Well, if that was her plan, it really didn't happen. And the story is really hard to find. I happened to see it on a website, like I said, from the Kryptonaut podcast. And so I started doing my own researching in it and found that there was a book that uh had the story in that and that was where i based this article off of so it was yeah it's only one newspaper article that she got out of it uh, a small chapter in a book and then it was pretty much forgotten yeah with a 50-year time lapse between the event and the public story makes it difficult to know how much she may have forgotten or got confused over time i personally would never be able to remember even any details after such a long period of time. I mean, I can go five minutes from now and go into another room and forget why I went in there. Yeah. So I can forgive her if she forgot stories or got forgot details confused. 
But it would be interesting to know what more details there are out there. Right. If the story is true, it makes for an amazing and unique encounter. I am not aware of any other robot flowers in any story. Were these the aliens themselves? Or maybe they were programmed by some other race of extraterrestrials to perform a mission on Earth, and they thought flowers would make a great disguise. Yeah, that's got to be it. I mean, that's just weird. <laughs> what could have been so dangerous about a science building in the 1920s? Dangerous enough that visitors from another planet would come and destroy it? Or was this just their first step in plans to take over the world? Perhaps Evelyn's childlike innocence saved our planet from invasion. And did she just delay the flower's efforts at destroying the building at a later date? Well, with all that put together, I think it's time to finish the gardening and come out from within the mist. We are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about robotic flower aliens. You think these really existed? Or are they just part of a child's daydream from so long ago? You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast, and we are also on Instagram and Twitter. We even have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share your opinions or stories. We hope you enjoyed our story of the Dade City Flowers, and we'll come again for another episode. Until next week, Look closely at the flowers in the field and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>